Folks, 47-foot Kyle, back at you again. January 24th, 47-foot Friday, ready to go. I'm joined by the one, the only, Matt Perino. Matt, how you doing, man? Appreciate you joining me. I'm good, man. I'm good. It's a nice little uh, Friday before the Pro Bowl, so there's a lot of action here, but obviously we got some stuff to talk about, some fights, <laughs> bills, always uh, everybody's uh, consciousness, so fun times. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I was thinking the same thing before we went live. I was thinking, wow, usually I got a full slate of NFL to talk about. There's some hockey I could dive into, but really Pro Bowl weekend, everyone knows there's not a lot going on. So, But don't worry about it. We still got a good show for you. Um, obviously, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that we still obviously are always sponsored by Alehouse, Amherst Pizza and Alehouse. Obviously, Matt, you and I were just there for USC 246. Great place to be. They got about 50 TVs, tons of beer selections, tons of food specials. Um, but honestly, that's kind of where I want to start with you today, Matt, is obviously, you know, you and I got to take in a really brief UFC 246. Um, you know, McGregor obviously kind of shut that down really quick. But um, give me your your gut check, your knee-jerk reaction. You know, what did you really think going into the fight immediately after? And now that we've had... Uh, kind of had a week to let it simmer a little bit. You know, what's really uh, your takeaways from that? I mean, going into the fight, that's kind of what I expected. We talked about it on the night right before um, the fight itself. Sorry, I'm, a, I'm my little co-host here. Hey, you're good. Uh, he wants to join. But on the night, I thought that was exactly... Okay. On the night, that was what um, exactly what I thought was going to happen. We talked about it beforehand. Um, I thought that the power was going to hold up because I thought that going into the fight, there was, I was impressed with how his body held up throughout the week. You know, he was talking about, you know, back the second Nate fight, he had to really bulk up to get to 170. I mean, he was eating everything in sight. Oh, yeah. And you could tell that body wise, he just looked the biggest that he'd ever looked. So I thought, okay, the power is probably going to be there early on in the fight. Cowboy's a slow starter. Connor traditionally is fast starter. And that's kind of how it played out. With a week to kind of sit back and look at what happened, I think that, you know, I'd be, I've come around on, on Connor at 170. I, know, I talked a lot about it in the lead-up that I thought this was a one-and-done. I thought that he should kind of get in and get out at 170 because of the guys like Jorge Masvidal, yeah. Kamaru Usman, even Colby Covington, a guy that's going to be out for a while. I think those are all stylistically tough matchups for him. But yeah, if the power can hold up at 170... Yeah, and I mean, you're not wrong. I was kind of thinking the same thing myself is really, uh, you know, I wasn't sure how he would do at 170 going into it, all the preparation in his camp. Um, obviously, it's not his standard fighting weight. It's, you know, not what he's normally used to holding belts at. So going into this fight, like you said, the competition you're going up against is definitely going to be a lot different, a lot tougher. Um, but I kind of got bought in the minute he did his... Uh, one interview, I think it was with Ariel Elwani on ESPN, and basically said, you know, this is my walking weight. This is my comfortable weight. I feel good at 170. I can actually focus on fighting. Um, and he kind of backed it up. I mean, like you said, it's obviously, you know, he went up against Cowboy Cerrone that's had a little uh, wear on his tires. But, I mean, for, for what it's worth, he still showed he can fight at 170. Um, and I feel very confident if it was going up against a Masvidal, um, if they ended up going up against, you know, like you said, I don't think Covington would really ever happen right now, but um, I don't think he's out of a weight class by any means at that point. No, and I think that the fight right now is a 170-pound 
fight against Jorge Masvidal. I don't think there's a bigger fight possible for him right now. Uh, the problem is that you're going to have to wait three months because Masvidal won't be ready until April. But that gives us uh, a chance for the Khabib Ferguson fight to play out, uh, potentially Connor and, and, uh, and Masvidal. And then if, if Khabib gets through that fight, which I'm picking Ferguson, we're still a little bit of ways out, but I think that that's a really tough matchup uh, for Khabib because everywhere the fight goes, I feel like uh, Tony has tools. Like in, in most of Khabib's fights, he wants to take you to the ground and maul you. Well, the problem yeah. with taking Tony Ferguson to the ground is off of his back, pound for pound, he might be the most dangerous guy in MMA. So that that matchup in itself has so much, so many interesting qualities. But the Habib fight is always going to be there, and it's always going to be super big. He's talking a lot of stuff. Uh, he said came out this last week and said um, he'll decide what he's going to fight Connor. It's like. <laughs> I, I kind of get a chuckle because there's only one guy in the sport that's ever been able to kind of pick his opponents, and that's Connor. And the only time he really did that was the Nate rematch. Right. And and so Khabib's going to fight who they tell him to fight because he doesn't bring in those kind of numbers. Um, or he can walk away. And if I'm Khabib sitting there, I don't know if I even want the rematch because it's not going to go like it did the last time. And... And I'm not sitting here saying that Connor's going to win, but it's not going to be that easy. Uh, obviously, he had the injury. I would imagine in the rematch, if Connor's not 100%, he's not going to make the walk. As I know that he's made that a part of his brand. Like no matter what, he always fights and shows up on fight day. But in a in a high level fight like that, you have to be 100. percent Yeah. He wasn't. He didn't take it seriously. He was drinking on fight week. Like that's <laughs> going to be a completely different scenario uh, if they match up again. So, you know. Props to Habib, man. The dude's like just beat everybody to put in front of him. But that rematch is going to be the real deal. I think it's going to be a, a lot more locked in Connor, almost like the Aldo fight a little bit more, where he t- he talked his trash, they did the world tour, but he still, in the end of the day, stepped up and right. delivered. And I think that he'll do that in the rematch. Now that's kind of something where I've been just looking at you know the list of who really could be next. Um, obviously, you know the Habib rematch would be there. People want to see the BMF belt put on the line um, if he goes up against Masvidal. Obviously, uh, people want to see a trilogy fight against Nate Diaz. So, if there's one that you think you would have to put your, you know, put your money on if we're going for a matchup, do you do you think he holds out for after Ramadan? Does he let the Ferguson Habib fight play out, and does he go for that? You know, obviously. Do we think he's ready one fight in to go right back to that rematch? Um, do we think he tunes up one more and then waits till end of summer for Habib? Because for me personally, I think the Diaz trilogy is one that you can have no matter no matter when it is. Um, it's a trilogy fight. The two really, you know, from what it looks like, just don't like each other in the octagon. Um, there's always going to be a fight there. So I don't think you need to force the trilogy. Um so for me, if I had to put my money on it, I think Masvidal still gets the next fight. Um, but I mean, that's all you. I don't know if you have any kind of any kind of different insight with McGregor knowing the fight business better, but that's where my head's at. I think that the plan is probably Masvidal or Gagey next, um, and I think that man, it's it's fallen off so many times that Habib um, Ferguson fight has to happen this time, right? I mean, right. You can't schedule this one again and have it not go down. So then we're looking at. Potentially, I, I still think Masvidal is the biggest fight and makes the most, you know, 
financial sense. So they'll probably try to go in that direction. But if Gagey's ready in the, on that March card, and they can headline the, the Vegas March card with Gagey versus McGregor, listen, I think McGregor's going to again be like, like a plus or like a minus 300 favorite in that fight. I just think that he, Gagey is a great fighter, don't get me wrong. But right. I don't think that he has the skills um, to stay and bang with Connor. We'll see. Um, but then I think it, he might go and do boxing. I think he might try to get a, a summer fight against Floyd or Manny, whatever that ends up being, where yeah. Manny is there, and then he could come back later this year and fight um, um, Habib maybe in November or December and kind of close out his season. If he could somehow you know, win the Gagey fight, be competitive again in, in the boxing realm, or could you imagine if he won the boxing fight? Like, dude, that would set combat sports <laughs> <laughs> it would just completely flip everything. Like I don't even know what people would be able to, uh, how, how they would be able to respond and handle that. But that's probably the timeline. The, the boxing thing's tough because a lot goes into that, a lot more moving pieces. It's not as controllable as a UFC booking, so we'll see. But I think that you know they can, you can always do the Nate fight. There's always the Aldo fight that's yeah. kind of out there too, 155 maybe, the rematch. So a couple options. Yeah, I mean, I... I definitely would love to see a boxing match happen again for McGregor. Um, I think, and now don't get me wrong because I was kind of looking into this earlier. I think if McGregor were to go up against a Manny versus a Floyd, I think you'd have a lot less of a competitive fight. Uh, And I don't say that saying that Pacquiao is, you know, the better boxer. Obviously, we know what Mayweather is and how he is as a boxer. Um, But the fighting style is just so much different for Pacquiao that... And obviously, people think he's kind of old, getting a little towards the end of his career. Look what Pacquiao just did in his last fight. I mean, it was literally a domination. Um, I, I think kind of like you said, how he, how it matches up, I think it's just a lot different for me. I don't know if he goes boxing necessarily, but that's just... Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, I, and personally, I don't know if I would want him doing um, boxing just because he looks so good back in the octagon. And there's some questions that he has to answer there. So why not have this quote-unquote season be in the, in the octagon, but there's a lot of good fights. Man, there's a lot of good fights coming up, man. we got John Jones fighting in a couple weeks against Dominic Reyes, Israel Adesanya, and Yoel Romero, Habib Ferguson in April, so there's a ton of, uh, the, kind of the, turn that off. <laughs> a lot of good fights. I think Adesanya Romero is going to be insanely interesting. Um, I think Habib and Ferguson, kind of like you know, you were saying earlier, I think it's, you know, I watched the McGregor-Habib fight, and me personally, that was the first time I really got exposure to Habib's fighting style, uh, his pre-fight week, you know, all the uh, press conferences and stuff like this. That was a really first deep exposure I got to Habib. Uh, and I watched him, you know, obviously submit McGregor, and you kind of go into that like, all right, this guy is a beast. He can choke anybody out basically on demand. Um, you know, I think he's going to dominate his next fight, but then you look at Ferguson and obviously I don't think it's an easy fight for Habib whatsoever. I think Habib's actually, you know, could go into that one as, uh, kind of an uphill battle. So I'm interested for that. I think John Jones fight, if he can stay off the steroids is going to be really interesting. Um, I've never been a a big John Jones fans after the, the back to back to back steroid thing, but I guess that's just me. I don't know. Yeah. You're a big baseball fan too, right? True. So probably, probably runs I never had a big. I was just talking about this on a radio show earlier this week. 
I've never had a big issue with the steroids because they all do it, man. Like I, I, Nate Diaz wasn't lying, man. They all do it, and I don't. I don't and I, I don't mean to sit here and say everybody does it, but I think everybody does some type of supplemental enhancement at some yeah. point in their in their athletic career. I mean, my cousin played professional baseball, and he talked about how rampant it is in that sport. It's and it's and you see guys pop in the NFL all the time, so. It's at the end of the day, it's still a game, so you got to go out there and do it. You don't want guys on steroids fighting. I mean, that's a pretty dangerous thing. But the stuff that um, – there's a difference in the stuff that they pop for. And I'm no steroid expert, but, you know, the stuff that, like, a TJ Dillashaw popped for. Yeah. Where he was actually, like, you know, that was making him stronger and, like, you know, be able to hit harder and, and move faster. The stuff that Jones popped for, I think, was a little bit different. But, again, I'm, not, I'm no expert on that. I, I, I think that – the the res, the reclamation project that is John Jones's career is intriguing because he he was at the top of the mountain and lost it all and now he's kind of in this weird in between and and it's almost like you're waiting for you know it to pop again for him to be yeah. a big time draw and I think that might come with him going up to heavyweight and and we'll see if that if that ends up coming um, Dominic Ray is no joke though I mean this is this dude's a great stand up striker. Uh, he's got some some takedown defense, so we'll see. I, I all the but I've seen the story too many times where the young upstart comes up and tries to be, fight John Jones and they they get smoked. So we'll see we'll see how it goes. But yeah, a couple good fights. If you haven't heard about Israel Adesanya yet, you should go and check out his fights. Fight of the year last year against Calvin Gastelum. Oh yeah. And then he finished Robert Whitaker in record time. I mean, the dude is just absolute savage. So it's it's, it's some good good upcoming fights after a little bit of a lull late last year. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Couldn't uh, couldn't agree more with you on that one. For anyone that is just tuning in, because I just realized now that I didn't get the chance to caption this before we went live. Um, Forty Seven Foot Friday is live this week, folks. I have Matt Perino on with me. Always great having him on. Always great speaking with him. Obviously, guy knows his stuff, so it's always great to have him with me, Matt. Again, I appreciate it. Um, one thing I want to dive into with you, though. Get away from the UFC a little bit. Um, kind of something I was asking you about earlier. So um, we can go one of two ways. We'll touch on both. Obviously, I want to get your way too early uh, Bills 2020 expectations from you. But something that's been ramping up a lot this week, uh, the talk with Trey White, you know, him kind of, I don't want to say going back at fans on Twitter, but obviously just trying to stand up for himself here. Um, what are your takes? What's your opinion on the what if Patrick Mahomes, um, all the trade up, trade down, you know, the whole what if conversation. So, like, if you're sitting there as a Bills fan and, and, and pining for Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I can't really sit there and blame you. I mean, he's the best quarterback and he's the best player in the NFL at this point. Right. In the state. I mean, so I understand the, the thought process there. The issue that I took last week was um, there was a person that actually tagged Trey White to tell him that he would trade him a Bills fan that said he would trade Trey White and Josh Allen for Patrick Mahomes. That's, that's just weird to me. Like, I, I don't yeah. understand the logic behind that. Like, if you're a Bills fan, like, you have what you have. And so that's where I think I understand that there was obviously a tone on Twitter last week of, of frustration within Bills Mafia where it was like, okay, we don't want to talk about this anymore because, A, we have Josh Allen and we believe in Josh Allen, but, B, Patrick Mahomes isn't in the situation scenario anymore. Right, like, he's, he's spoken for it. Had him, you had kind of like a weird like um, situation.
situation where Doug Whaley was still the general manager and he was still on that last draft right before they brought in Brandon Bean. And Sean McDermott was kind of running that draft. So, you know, it, it just wasn't – it didn't work out timing-wise. And so now I think everybody, the fan base, is in on Josh Allen. That's fine. That's where you kind of want to be. And I think there's plenty to like about Josh Allen. I came out and said, listen, a lot of guys, a lot of people nationally and locally really tore apart Josh Allen's game uh, against Houston. And I've gone back now several times and watched it, and I came away with it a lot more positive than I did in, in the moment, in the night. Right. You just, the, the truth of the matter is, there just isn't a whole lot of talent around him. I mean, that's the fact of the matter. You look at what Patrick Mahomes is doing in Kansas City, and it's a, it's a cool parallel because Buffalo played Houston in the wild card round, and then Kansas City played Houston in the divisional round. Josh Allen got hit 11 times and sacked three times against the uh, Houston Texans. Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes, hit three times and sacked just once. Right. So, first of all, just in and of itself, or that in and of itself, is a much better offensive line. Uh, I shared a, a tweet on a video on Twitter where one of the big uh, the, the sack play where he threw it to, to John Feliciano and explicitly. Like, <laughs> yeah. But it was he literally they were rushing four guys and really it was kind of like a three man rush because they they had kind of did a delayed blitz with the defensive back and. He had less than two seconds to even um, see what was happening. I mean, the, the, the protection completely broke down. So that's one area of, of things. And then you look at the wide receivers. John Brown had the 14th best receiving season in Bill's history. Completely dropped the Like, had a couple drops. Had a, the one in, like in, in the red zone could have set up first and goal at the two. Uh, so I, I just think that while there are things that Josh Allen needs to improve on, he did enough to win that game, and then it sets up a potential Allen versus Mahomes game. And could you imagine if the Bills won that game to get Yikes. a playoff game? And there's so many scenarios where you can play the what-if game. Um, I think that he's made strides. I think that he uh, is doing a lot of good things. There's things that he needs to improve, but I think that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott know that they need to give him, A, more weapons, and some reinforcements on that offensive line. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and I was kind of in the same boat where, sure, any Bills fan, any sensible Bills fan, will look at Mahomes and Allen side by side and say, okay, wow, the level of talent, you know, obviously we like Josh Allen, we know what we have, it's good, um, but Mahomes is what it is. He's the greatest player in football right now, arguably greatest quarterback, I would say, by far. Um, So obviously, you know, any any sensible fan would always want the best player in football on their team. Sure, why not? And I think it's a, I think it's a different conversation if they weren't in the same draft class or if one of them was taken third round versus first round. You know, obviously, if it's one of those things where if any variable was different, you don't have a what-if conversation. The only reason you have this conversation is because the pick that they took to get Mahomes – was in the Bills' hands, and they gave it to the Chiefs. Uh, I shouldn't say gave. Obviously, they swapped the, you know, they made the trade for it, but it only we only have this conversation because what they traded for ended up being Mahomes. If there's literally one pick different, I don't think we have this conversation other than, wow, I'd like to have the best quarterback on my team. Um, and kind of like you said, too, um, with Josh Allen in the protection breaking down on him when he was getting rushed by the four-man, they pancaked him. So, of course, just a young reaction is going to be get rid of it 
dump it off. Obviously, Feliciano reached out and grabbed it just to avoid any uh, intentional grounding. But um, it wasn't even they declined the penalty, so it didn't have any true. impact on the game. And also, you know, the pitch play that everybody likes to talk about also didn't have any impact on the game because Dawson Knox was right there and batted it out of bounds. I mean, really, I would say that there was three three plays in the second half and overtime where you could really pin it on Josh, but there was probably five to ten, you know, dumb penalties, drops by the receivers, bad play calls, or, or just kind of questionable personnel packages. You know, you talk about Frank Gore getting eight carries in that game. Still seems a little bit wild, but you know, I think there's a lot to build on in year two. I mean, 29 touchdowns, sixth in the NFL. Um, I think going into the season, if you would have told Bills fans that Josh Allen would win you 10 games, get you to the playoffs, have a six or a, like a five-point jump in completion percentage for the year, have his best st- statistical best game completion percentage-wise on national TV on Thanksgiving right. against the Dallas Cowboys, 80% completion percentage, and and the six in the NFL in total touchdowns, I think you would, every one of them would have taken it and said, wow, that's crazy. He's going to lead us in the playoffs and do all of that. So I think you just got to put things in perspective. Patrick Mahomes is in a completely different situation with much better talent around him, with a much better offensive coaching staff around him, just because Andy Reid is one of the best offensive minds yeah. in the league you know, over the course of the last two decades. So that... And not to mention the fact that Patrick Mahomes got to do it a lot slower. Josh Allen was thrown into the deep end. Of right the away. MVP season last year, obviously just unbelievable. But I think there's there's plenty to be happy about if you're if you're a Bills fan with, with, with what they're working with right now. No, I, I totally agree. And I think um, I think like you said, if you look at it holistically going into the season. Um, that's conversation you know, I've had with any of the guys at Trainwreck is really going in. Obviously, everything hindsight is twenty twenty, but you go into that season saying you're going to have everything you just listed. There's nobody that says, you know, no, I'll take my chances at something better. Um, that's not, you know, I'd rather something. Uh, people would take that 100%. After what the past few years have been without that, without the double-digit wins or without the playoff appearances, really, um, obviously minus 2017, but... Um, no, I think you're you're totally right, and that kind of you know brings me to really what I wanted to get out of you today, especially is your way too early 2020 expectations for the Bills. Um, a little bit of kind of just what you you not want to see, but give me a realistic expectation. Is it going to be another 10 win season? Um, if Brady leaves, do they win the division? You know what what are you thinking that this team? Should settle for no less no less than in twenty twenty. No, I think that they're going to be depending on what happens with Tom Brady. But even if he does come back, I think it's going to be you know hard not to make the Bills the division favorites in twenty um, twenty. Depending on now, if they go into free agency and just lay an egg and don't don't bring in any time any big time players, then I guess from that perspective, you might you might not want to jump on board just quite yet, but I think that with what they established this season and with the kind of talent that's out there on the free agent market, and we'll see because, you know, you look at a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, who I think all Bills fans are, have really centered their attention on, and, you know, uh, Amari Cooper and uh, a couple of the other guys, you wonder if they're even going to make it to the free agent market. Like yeah. the team tags them or, um, or, or, or locks them up beforehand, but 
you know, nine draft picks. The Bills have done a really good, and, you know, and, and we're talk- we haven't even talked about the fact that there's going to be so much development on this young team. True. Jermaine Edmonds in year three, Ed Oliver in year two. Ed Oliver is going to be a force next year. Like the, the best of Ed Oliver next up that you saw in 2019, I think, is going to be a regular occurrence. And that's kind of why I wrote a couple weeks ago why I don't think it makes a ton of sense to bring back Jordan Phillips because True. you'd have to end up paying him considerable amount of money to be a backup because you're starting three tech next year with Ed Oliver, no doubt about yep. it. Um, there's talent. I like Devin Singletary. I think they can add a piece or two to the offensive line um, to make it a little bit more competitive in training camp and, and really force Cody Ford, I think, to earn that right tackle spot. And if he can't do it, then you you have to entertain the idea of potentially moving him inside or uh, what you're going to do there. But there's talent on this on this free agent market when it comes to uh, tackles and guards. And I just think that, you know, if you're asking me my expectations, my expectations are that they compete for the division again. Uh, they were in it until week 16. Uh, if a few things go different in that Patriots game, we're talking about, you know, all they got to do is beat the Jets to win the division in week 17. I mean, how crazy would that have been? Right. Um, and, and what's funny is Ryan Fitzpatrick would have helped, would have helped, helped <laughs> do it. it, was, it could, you couldn't have written. That, that would have been perfect storyline. Exactly. So um, I think it comes down to Josh Allen. It's going to be a bit of a tougher schedule. Uh, but even so, even with that tough schedule, there's only two really elite quarterbacks on the schedule that I've seen. Kansas City, uh, Mahomes, and Russell Wilson with Seattle. They yep. both come to Buffalo. So you're, you're going to have uh, advantageous matchups there. But it's interesting because the Bills actually were only 4-4 four four at home this year. So they gotta they gotta improve that mark in, in 2020, and I just think that with the continuity that's been established now, you look to 2020. Sean McDermott's gonna be more comfortable in his shoes as head coach uh, in year four, and Brian Dable year three as offensive coordinator. I think that that's when you can really start to evaluate these guys right. because they'll have the pe- the pieces in place and the comfort level will be there, and and I think that some of the you know rational or irrational uh, reactions to some of the offensive games from 2019, those w- those become a lot more normal in 2020 because expectations should be higher because they've had a chance to build the roster, they have the pieces in place, and now go out there and win and prove it. Yeah, no, I honestly couldn't have said it better myself. I think, like you said, expectations-wise, they did it this year, so I don't think you're going to, you know, like you said, they competed for the division right up until the end. So I think to have an expectation less than winning the division, I think is kind of crazy. I think you're set, you know, you're settling at that point. I think honestly they have the shot to do it. So absolutely agree, hundred percent. I will end on this because we only have a couple of minutes left here. Super Bowl pick 'em. If you're going coin toss, fifty-fifty because we have the Chiefs against the Niners right now. The spread is I've seen one and a half. I've seen two. So we'll call it two for numbers' sake. You know, it's really within a field goal there in a neutral field. Um, what are you feeling? Because me personally, I've already got money on the Chiefs to cover the spread. I think I really, I, as good as the Niners' defense is, me personally, I think Mahomes is just that much better. Um, I think the weapons offensively that Kansas City brings to the field is just above anybody else at this point. Um, it really just goes to show, or it will go to show what the Niners' defense can do. So. Um, what are you feeling? I've obviously we got another week and a day or so, week and a couple days, but give me a give me a little bit of your thoughts there. Kyle Shanahan has been so uh, amazing this season, but you know who was really amazing last season? Sean McVay. Yeah. And 
and then he ran into the the old guard, Bill Belichick. And I think that you know Andy career, Andy Reid's career has led him to this point, and he has suffered great disappointments in a lot of big games over his career. And now he has all the tools in his in his toolbox to right. use offensively. And I think that this is going to be a game where I think Andy Reid outcoaches Shanahan, and I think that Patrick Mahomes is the greater quarterback. And listen, Jimmy G gets a lot of, uh, gets a lot of shine. And, and I don't necessarily think it's as deserved as maybe some other guys. I, he's had a lot of games this year where I've been like, wow, I, I, it hasn't been pretty. And in, in that, in that title game, I almost feel like they didn't, he didn't have to do much. He didn't. And they ran the ball so well that, and, and, and the, the Packers and Matt LaFleur just completely shrunk in the moment. So it was kind of like handed to him. Nothing's going to be handed to them in this game. Even if they go up early, we've seen Kansas City yeah. time and time again in this playoffs come back from the deficits. Obviously a much better defense. But I just think that Patrick Mahomes is hungry. Uh, I think that they thought they were good enough to go to the Super Bowl last year when they lost in overtime to the, to the Patriots. Uh, and I picked. Uh, I did a podcast a couple weeks ago, and I, and, I, and I added this exact matchup, and I had the Chiefs winning, and I'm not um, waffling at all. I think the Chiefs win. Uh, I, I think it probably ends up being a little bit closer than people think. Uh, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 27-24. Uh, but I think the, the Chiefs are going to win. Well, I can't, uh, can't say I disagree there either. I mean, like I said, I think the Chiefs got this. Uh, I think it is going to be a close game, but um, I'm definitely going Chiefs to take the upper hand, no doubt. I think it's Andy Reid's time. Um, I think it's just very, very overdue for that offense. So. Uh, that's about all I got here, Matt. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining me, taking the time out of your Friday morning here. Um, for everybody that is still tuning in or listening back to this, again, don't forget we are here because of Amherst Pizza and Outhouse, my savior. Matt, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. It's really been an honor. No problem. Shout out, you be horns up. Four in a row on the Mac. Let's go. Get, get hyped for the run to, to Cleveland. Uh, I got to always shout out my guys. Hey, anytime UB can get on a run, I'm feeling damn good about it. So let's get it done. All right, man. Take care. Hey, you too, man. Thank you. All right, folks. You heard it here, folks. We're ending on the live stream. Thanks for everybody that listened in. Tune in. Dan Borello, I see your comment there. They are going to have to make some free agent choices this offseason. The Bills, it's going to be tough. Everybody, thanks so much. January 24th, 47-foot Kyle, peacing out. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all, and goodbye.